welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. All right. Let's get into it, shall we? Pull out your swords and let's go to Nehemiah. Chapter 7 and 8 is what we're covering today. Alison's really already done a, an overview of chapter 7, very, very briefly. You'll see it is a great genealogy given there. How many people were there? Who was listed? And something to really look at here in chapter 7, uh, and that uh, just in talking this morning, just thinking, you know, it's important that, that, um, that our names are in the book. Hello? You know, you had some 50-odd thousand people there of Israel returning back to this city that was being rebuilt, but the names had to be in the book, not on the church membership list, the book of life. Is your name in the book of life? Not did you attend on a Sunday, not did you give in an offering, these are all great things, but is your name in the Lamb's book of life? And so in chapter 7, we can read the genealogies and the list. Who, who was there? Who wasn't there? Who, was, who couldn't live there because their name was not in the book? Have a look through that if you haven't already in your own time. And um, from chapter 7 on, we can see a, a bit of a different kind of a spin on Nehemiah. The first six chapters are all about the reconstruction of the walls. And, and then the last seven deal with the reinstruction of of the people of God. There's a reinstruction or even, so to speak, a reconstruction of the community, right? It's important and and we can see the addressing in chapter 8 now of, um, uh, you know, the people getting back to basics, back to basics. From time to time I go through seasons personally and it's important for me to not get carried away with things that are not that important to major on minors, but to major on what's major. And some, sometimes it's just the simple things in life that get missed. We're talking a little bit about, not just from the Word of God, but about the Word of God this morning. And um, we're going to read from chapter 8 and verse 1 to 3. We'll start. Are you ready with me this morning? We're going to go to New Living Translation. In the month of October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose. Very important. Unity is very important. A unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to what? To just have a read through once a year, to just dust off and appreciate. No, God gave it to the people to obey. In verse 2, so on October 8, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. Not just the fellas, not just the ladies, but the children, all who could understand were there. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could what? Understand. 
He read it to everyone who could understand. Very important. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. If you're um, taking notes and you like headings, write this down. Lessons from the rebuild. That's what we're talking about today. Lessons from the rebuild. What can we learn? The first thing we can learn, particularly from those first few verses, is that appetite is an open invite. Appetite is an open invite. You know, appetite for God and for His Word is not just something that is restricted to the church leaders or pastors. It is an invitation that all can come and taste and see that He is good. I love uh, Nadia and a team that work with the children out there right now and they, and, and Nadia and a team understand this concept. Thank you for all of you who faithfully serve in the children's ministry. We are uh, not just wetting the appetite, but in a sense, feeding that appetite of our young people that are, that are, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve in the things of the Word of God. They're, they're, they're discussing champions and heroes of the Bible. Uh, scripture memorization is something that Nadia and her team have really picked up on. Why? Because Nadia believes wholeheartedly that it's not just something that we should be enjoying on a Sunday in a room while the kids have some sort of play club and that be the end of it. The kids have fun. She's raising an army. Parents, you are raising an army. And the Word of God and the appetite for the Word of God is something that we as parents have a responsibility to help facilitate in our kids. I, as a parent, don't want to abdicate my responsibility to help train a child in the ways of God and think, oh, you know what, we'll wait for a Sunday morning and I'll let Nadia take care of that. I've got to be intentional every single day. And I'm, I'm honest with you, when I get home, some days are just really full. They're just full. And I get home and it's uh, 5.30. Usually by the time I get home, I'm tired. I'll you know, help with the kids. I'll get, Kylie's phenomenal with the kids. She'll usually have them bathed. She'll have them eating dinner. I'll come and I'll uh, help them with, finish their dinner. If they haven't had their shower for whatever reason, get them in the shower, read them a Bible story, pray with them, hug them, kiss them, whatever, until 7 or 7.30 and then they're asleep by midnight. No, they're not. But they're in there. And, so what? and I, the last thing sometimes I want to do is just be nice and patient and kind and sweet. Oh, what did you learn at school today, darling? Oh, yeah, okay. What are you learning in the Bible at the moment? Oh, do you know, let me teach you something about God. You know, in one sense, my heart really wants to do it. Other times, I'm just dead. I'm gone. I'm, oh, man, I'm cactus. I just, want to, I just want to catch up on the NBA highlights or something. I just got to... Right? Fleshing out. Right? It's in those moments I've got to remember, I've got a responsibility. It shouldn't just be about mum and dad enjoying the Word of God. My kids. Why? Because it was modeled to me. My mum and dad were phenomenal. Man, they would play worship music in the house a lot. Tell me Bible stories. That really made a difference. Grandparents, you have an amazing opportunity to speak life into the little ones. A writer by the name of Nick Caddy, he, um, in his research, he, he showed um, the impact of parents when they come to faith, particularly fathers. Hey, fellas, pay attention to this. In a secular household, that is a household where no one is a, a believer in Jesus, but 
the first born child becomes a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability that everyone in that household will follow Jesus. 3.5% if the firstborn comes to a saving faith in Jesus. That jumps to 17% if the mother is the first one in that family to become a Christian. So if the mother becomes a Christian, there's a 17% chance that the rest of the household become Christian. But it's different for a father. When a father comes to a saving faith in Jesus as the first member of that family, have a guess what the percentage is that the whole household will be saved. Higher than 85%. 93%. There is a 93% probability, this is statistically speaking, that the whole household will come to a faith in Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Fellas, do not underestimate your influence in your family system. Don't underestimate the authority you carry to love, to listen, to lead. Whether you see yourself as the leader or not, you are. You know, it bugs me. I didn't take my medication this morning. It bugs me when I talk to blokes that don't have a spine, a spiritual spine. I, I, I get it. It's hard. I find it incredibly challenging in today's world where you turn on the TV and dads are laughed at and mocked in almost all of the sitcoms, all of the shows, all of the movies. He's the dumb guy, right? He's laughed at. Mum's the responsible one. She's the smart one. She's the intelligent one. But dad's a... Am I right or am I wrong? Um, so that, as, as a result of a whole range of things, there is an attack on fatherhood in the world today. Look at the prison system. 90-something percent, I can't remember the statistics, 90-something percent of the people that are in the prison system have issues with fathers. They have strained relationships with their dads. Not their mums. Their dads. And so I get it that it's, that it's tough. But fellas... Come on, we've got to make a stand here. We've got to make a stand. Rain, hail or shine, that we seek God. Rain, hail or shine, we worship Him. We get into that word. Rain, hail or shine, we're there. And, you know, you get knocked around. But God's made you a specific way to handle it. He's with you. So don't give up persevere, endure, be persistent, be consistent to the best of your ability by the grace of God and that's how you can best serve your family. I'll leave the ladies alone because they're doing a great job. I'm telling you, some of you ladies, you're quietly going, yeah, preach it, pastor, preach it, tell him, I've been telling him for years, he's not listening to me. 
Come on, fellas. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6 to 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's God saying there? Hey, His words matter. Everywhere you go, soak in that. Get His Word in you, not just for a 35-minute injection on a Sunday morning. Oh, that felt good. There were a few jokes this morning. That was a really good sermon. Leave remembering Jesus, not the words of a preacher. Not, 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 not the goosebumps that we feel in worship. Leave. Oh, yes, I encountered Jesus with my family. For me, that's, that's the greatest thing about Sundays, encountering Him with you. That's what I want. And, 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 and maybe you're here this morning and you are yet to encounter Him. May you leave today with a clear invitation having been given to you to follow Him. Appetite. It's an open invite. It's not exclusive, it's inclusive. There was a a commentator by the name of Robbie Lowe, and uh, just in, in, um, in one of his writings, uh, he cites some Swiss demographers, and they look at the family system. This is now about church engagement, where one parent both, or neither regularly, attend a church. In households where only the mother went to services every week, between 2 and 3% of children grew up to do the same. Where it was just the mum who went to church every week, 2 to 3% of kids grew up. There's a whole stack of info, I'm not going to read through it all, but here's another bit of information that's really good. Where both mum and dad went to church regularly, the number jumped to 74%. Out of that 74%, 33% of those kids would go regularly, as in weekly, and 41% would go, but less regularly or irregularly. What does that say? Kids look at how parents model faith, and it is embedded in their system embedded in their rhythm. Young people, you might not see yourself as a parent just yet. This is important information for you to remember. You are modeling Jesus all of the time, whether you're in church or whether you're not. So, um, I was having a little stoush with my kids the other day and um, I got a text message from Nadia, the children's ministry leader, and they're doing scripture memorization. I'm thinking, great. Now, I remember that when I came to a mature decision of faith when I was 18, all the scripture verses that I memorized when I was six and seven, they just jumped out. Like, where did they come? Where did that scripture verse come from? I hadn't really thought or meditated on the scriptures in my early teenage years, but when I came to a faith 
in Jesus, like a mature decision of faith at 18, I'm starting to remember, wow, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives. And all these old songs that I used to sing in church, I would, it would all come back to me. The Lord would bring, by His Spirit, He would bring about a recollection. And so I think, oh, now I, I want to do the best that I can for my kids. No matter what happens, they'll choose eventually the path that they've got to take, but I've got to do my very best to be a good steward of those amazing gifts, those amazing relationships that I've got, those precious gifts. So scripture memorization, okay, got the, got the message from Nadia to teach them scripture. So I get my two eldest girls, because um, Grace and Esther. Okay, girls, scripture verse from Psalm. We're going to memorize this scripture verse. Both of them are kind of disinterested at this point. I'm at home going, well, one of them's really disinterested. No, and so I try and incentivize for them. I try and incentivize. I'm not naming names, by the way, so don't go sniffing around for who says what. Okay, so um, uh, you, don't you get a special prize when you get the Scripture verses right? Doesn't Nadia give you? And one of the kids says, oh, yeah, <laughs> a sticker. But yeah, isn't that sticker on a chart or something and you get more stickers and you get a prize? Yeah. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I want these kids to know the Scripture. And I thought, ah, oh, I remember. I remember a, a sweet old lady one time when I was about five years old offered me $2, $2 if I recited every book of the Bible. And I thought, oh, and I got my two bucks at the end of the day. So I thought, all right, girls, I'll give you a buck. See, I'm Indian. So it's going to be, right? No, sorry, scrap that off the podcast. I'm a good steward. Thank you. Some would call it bribery. Some would call it great incentives. Nonetheless, by the end of the day, they knew that scripture verse. All to say that one day you never know where that scripture verse might come handy for those girls. You just never know because God would drop a seed. That's the word of God is like a seed. When you look at a seed, it's just a seed. But you know that seed has the potential all the DNA, everything that it requires, that once watered and planted, oh my, that can produce a whole forest. Never underestimate what one scripture verse that's in your heart can do. Let's read on. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden It's the beauty of going on iPad. The Wi-Fi just dropped out. Here it is. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Mattahiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. To his left stood Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshalom, Gesundheit. Verse 5, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, what did they do? They all rose to their feet, or they all stood up. Write this down. It's time to restore the awe. It's time to restore the awe. I just got back from, uh, from Zambia, and we went regionally, and I tell you, I was smacked in the face by an experience that I was reminded of that so much of the world 
go through. Can we show the first uh, picture? Thanks, Wes. So I was there with Garfield and Sue Thompson, and we went for a drive out a little bit more rural outside of the city of Livingston. And those guys that are there, show the next picture, please. They're actually all pastors. They're church planters. And as we're just reading the Bible, and, 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 and I'm sharing uh, what I felt God had on my heart, as we're finding it, the, as we're going through, I find out that these guys, these church planters, they have walked up to seven hours to come and hear the Word of God. Seven hours. And we complain about 15 minutes in a car on a Sunday morning. Amen or ouch? So, so you, you will always ask for that which you're import, what's important to you. That, 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 that's the reality. For these guys, they so value the Word of God. And here I am, I'm like, what, 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 what have I got to teach these guys? I wouldn't know what sacrifice is. I wouldn't know what oppression is. I, I, I mean, you guys should be teaching me. This is why mission trips for me is absolutely phenomenal. It reminds me about a few truths. Like, gee, I'm living in a bubble a lot of my life. Garfield Thompson, who's next, he's in tears. Right? Sue's there just going gaga over the little babies that were there. The little cute little black African babies. She wanted to take one home. But as we're talking, I'm thinking, mate, these guys, they've got an awe of the Word of God. I want that back in my life. Do you remember the moment that you came to faith in Jesus? Maybe it was a point after that, and you just could not wait to get in front of your Word. Maybe it was the first thing in the morning. For me, it was when I finished university, at the end of the day, I just wanted to get home. I knew it would be 10 o'clock once I've done it, and I just want to get in my way to get an hour or two or three, and I'd get in my commentaries, I'd get into my dakes back then. I'd get into the NKJV and the commentaries. I'm like, oh, yes. And I... Because there was this deep respect for the Word of God. And yet, even though the Word of God, particularly in the West, is more accessible than ever, it's less read. Isn't that interesting? See, this is no ordinary book. You know, it's the most stolen book in the world, don't you? It's the most illegal book in the world too. There's a reason why it's illegal. Because there is an opposition that doesn't want people to read this. As a, as a literary composition, it's incredible. History, poetry, proverbial sayings, hymns, letters, laws, parable, teaching, prophecy, drama, you name it, it's all in this book. Over 40 different authors under the great authorship of God Himself, over 40 different authors have contributed to these 66 books over a span of 2,000 odd years, the odds of its harmony go beyond any rational explanation. It is, it is incredible as counsel. It shows the state of man, the way of salvation in God. It provides hope for humanity. The Word of God is, is always up to date on any given subject. It is historically correct. It is scientifically accurate. This is no ordinary book. This is a holy book book. 
an incredible book. But it might just sit on our shelves until Sunday comes along. Holy Spirit, help us to restore the awe in the mighty word of God. Josie read a great scripture from Jeremiah 23, 29 this morning. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's keep reading. It says, in verse 6. Thank you. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Footnote, it's not illegal to raise your hands in church. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground as an act of humility and surrender. Oh, when you come into the presence of God and you have that sense of awe and reverence and respect, the natural response is one of humility. Verse 7, the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Shariba, Jamin, Akub. Man, I'm really doing it today. Shabbatai, sorry, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, and Peliah then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. Verse 8, they read from the book of the law and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. So you don't want to just read the Word of God, you want to know what it's saying, right? So can I just say, look, more and more, I lean on encouraging people to read whatever Bible translation best helps them. What helps you best understand? I couldn't get it out. The amplified version was a version that people used to like. like that's not even the amplified version. Why do you like the amplified version? It adds like 50,000 words. Then I realized I was upsetting a lot of ladies. And a few men. But whatever Bible works for you, whatever helps you understand, get into it. I don't care if it's the message, New Living Translation, New Revised Standard Version. I don't care what it is. Get the Word of God into you. Knowledge is a good thing, but understanding is king. You've got to understand the thing. The knowledge is, is, they say, the acquisition of truth. But understanding is the interpretation of that truth. There's no point in having something that you know, but you don't understand. So whatever helps you understand the Word. I think that's why a lot of people just, they don't... They, 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 struggle with the Word because we just don't get it. Like, we don't understand it. Perhaps... You're not getting in a way that speaks your language. That's why, that's why on Sundays we have children's ministry because we're speaking the Word of God in a way that is best understood to that demographic. So what works for you? And go with it. Let's read on. 
Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. But the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. What, they were weeping? Hang on, they're going through the Bible, they're in respect of the Bible and then they're weeping. Sometimes the Bible's going to do that to you. It exposes sin. And right there we see, as we start to understand the Scriptures, particularly as the Holy Spirit leads, there is a revelation of the sin condition. Have you ever pulled your Bible open and you're like, I don't like what I'm reading. I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that sermon. It was too hard. I felt condemned. I felt... Maybe you were. Maybe it was conviction. I don't know. That's for you to work out. This is why we've got to look at the whole counsel of God, not just the nice, easy bits. Oh, the love of God, He loves you. He wants the best for you. That's true. And sometimes what's best for you is not what always makes you feel good. As a father, I can tell you that right now. Having three girls. Man, they, they often, they've got this argument of late. Dad, why are you being so mean to me? I'm not being mean to you. You're just not doing what you're supposed to do. And you can't stick the knife in your sister's leg. That's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, but she kicked me. She pulled my hair. Take the knife out. <laughs> I'm exaggerating just so you know. <laughs> there was no knife in her leg. It was <laughs> but then the response goes on in verse... 10, Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your... Do you know that song? The joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> I learned that at school, Sunday school. You too? Man, I'm old. Do we teach the kids those songs anymore here? If not, why not? Let's get that into Nadia's curriculum. The joy of the Lord is his strength. So, so what is this? There is a sin condition that they have a revelation from, but there is a God solution. The God solution, they, all right, look, you, you, you're in a place where, where you can see that, that, that you, maybe you haven't been living the right way. You haven't. That's what the Word of God is like when, when you have a plant. It's a stake in the ground, and the Word of God can straighten you out. Tie yourself to that stake. You can grow up nice and straight. At times, you find out how crooked you actually have been, but all that, oh, I've been living the wrong way. It's okay. God's like, hey, it's not a problem. Now, just do the right thing. Love people. Serve people. Enjoy your life and come to me. So yes, there is a revelation of sin condition, but there is also a revelation of the God's solution. That's what the Word of God does. What's the solution? You're struggling, you're hurt, you're lonely, you're isolated, whatever it is. Pick it up and let him speak to you through it. Verse 11, Levites 2 quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festival, at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and they what? 
understood. Have you ever had a scripture that you had you've known, and all of a sudden that scripture just jumps out of you and like, wow, where did that come from? Wow, where did that come from? It's 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 like it's it's like you knew it's like you you got it but you didn't get it until at at a later point, right? Like that's happened to me a fair fair bit. So um, I remember a particular scripture verse that I had known but I hadn't really understood, and that was where sin abounds. Grace abounds all the more. You know that one in Romans 6? Okay. So I'd known that for years. But it was only in a time of my life where I was just, I was just really struggling. And I felt bad. Like, for my, oh my goodness, I'm so, I'm so dirty. Like, I'm so, there's so much sin in my life. I just became so aware of my, uh, in a sense, my depravity, my, 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 my sinful depravity, that the part of me that was... Then that scripture jumped out, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So where there's plenty of sin, there's so much grace. Ah, so an awareness of my sinfulness pointed to his graciousness. So for me, that was a point of what I, 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 I kind of knew it. but I didn't understand it until the Spirit made it real to me. So what scripture, maybe there are scriptures that you've got flying around in your heart and you need God to just get you between the eyes so you can really get hold of that. That's a big reason why I'm a grace guy now, personally. It's because I've had that revelation. Now when I look at the scriptures, I can't help but see the grace of God all throughout it. And I, 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 I see, I see write-offs, people that society have written off, and I see such potential there because I was one of those guys. It's a revelation. It says in verse thirteen. On October 9, the family leaders of all the people together with the priests and Levites met with Ezra the scribe to go over in greater detail. In greater detail. Hang on, so they had the word, yeah, but then they went back. Write this down, there's always more. There's always more, just when you think you know the word. Go back to it, there's more. There's plenty more, it's incredible, it's alive. There are people that have been studying this for decades and decades and decades, and they're still learning new stuff. I look at Bob Stevenson, he's not here this morning. Let me brag about that guy for a second. Man alive, that guy knows the word. I believe he understands the word. He's a man of wisdom. But every single time I see him, he goes, oh, wow, I learned this. Oh, brother, when you preach that, I'm like, what can I teach you, Pastor Bob? He's like, oh, brother, you have no idea. Right? Because this is alive. I've got to eat this. This thing is so good. Such great food. And... Uh, I, I, I went to Kings Park recently, took a friend there who was from interstate. You've been to Kings Park before? It's amazing, right? It's amazing. As a kid, I would go there. But going there again, I'm then taking myself into, into his eyes as he hasn't been to Kings Park before, and I am revisiting something that I had become a bit familiar with. You're picking up what I'm putting down. So as I'm going to Kings Park, I'm looking at the sights. 
listen to the sounds of the birds. I'm looking at the view. I'm looking, I'm looking at all the flowers. Oh my God, that's in heaven. God, you are so good. That is amazing. I'm smelling those flowers. Oh, Lord, you're amazing. How can I not have been here for a while? I remember I used to go and pray there. I'd forgotten how good it was. And I'm a nature guy, right? I like you. Put, put me out there in nature. Put me at the, put me at the ocean. Put me, put me at the bottom of, of some rolling hills. Put me at King's Park. All of a sudden, I'm going, oh, God, so close to me right now. I had to revisit that again. And so what, what can we learn here from this reboot? Get back to it. Get back to it. It really is an amazing book. It was the Bereans, wasn't it? The Bereans. They heard something in Acts and they went back to study the word to check if it all lined up. So you should you should be listening to what I'm telling you now this morning. You should be going back to your Bible. You should be checking it out. Make sure I'm not telling you porky pies, right? Is what Josh saying, is it right? Is it true? Right? Don't take my authority. Go back and work with Holy Spirit. Work it out for yourselves. Make sure that, the, that you have this understanding with God about what's true and what's not. Let Him feed you directly. It doesn't need to be just through a person or another sermon or another song. That's good. That's helpful. But when He deposits to you directly, man alive, that's something else. Finally, at the end of this, uh, this chapter, I'm just going to read a couple of verses as Tim begins to play. Tim, you silent assassin, you. Very, very sneaky. So, as they're going back and they're studying the Bible, what's happening? They're realizing how they should be living in what kinds of shelters, right? What their shelters would be made like. How they would actually dwell. That's what the Scriptures are showing them. It's giving them good instruction. But then it says in verse 16, So the people went out and they cut branches and used them to build shelters on the roofs of their houses, in their courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival, and they were all filled with what? Oh, hang on a second. So so, so they, they knew the Word of God, they understood the Word of God, they did something about the Word of God, and then joy came. That's what happens when we obey. Obedience is the call. Obedience is the call. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Hey, why do you call me Lord? Lord, and not do what I say. If you know what I'm saying and don't do it, you, you, you're as foolish as someone who builds a house on, on, on sandy ground. But a wise person will build it on the rock. And so Jesus likens obedience... to building correctly with wisdom, doing what He says. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the day of Joshua, son of Nun. Man, they celebrated. They partied. They enjoyed it. So final note, if you're going to write something, don't just stand there, do something. If, if knowledge is the acquisition of truth, and understanding is the interpretation of truth, 
then wisdom is the application of truth. I don't want to just know and understand. I want to do it. I want to do something about it. What's the point of coming on Sundays or, or, or being in our home groups on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever it is, listening to our sermon on, and, and, and having this nice little cozy little spiritual spa experience. Oh, the bubbles are so good today. Oh, it's wonderful. If we're not going to do anything with it. And this, I believe, is one of the greatest deceptions in the church where, where we know what it is that we're to do or how to live, but we do nothing with it. James has an interesting way of putting it about being put in front of a mirror and you forget what you look like. So foolishness is not doing what he tells us. And as we finish, you know, it's, it was Jesus who says, quoting Deuteronomy, actually, chapter 8 and verse 3. Jesus says in both Matthew 4 and Luke 4, man shall not live by, by bread alone, but by some words, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why is it so important for us to eat off His word and what comes from Him? Because everything that comes from the mouth of God will tell you about God Himself. You don't want to hear what comes from my mouth. It's coming from God's mouth. What is God, what does God say? What's He saying? Have a look. But in saying that, you know, it is possible to know this thing and not know Him. Jesus has a crack at some Pharisees, some religious people. And it's in John chapter 5 and around 39. He goes, you guys, oh, you're so thick. You search the Scriptures. You know the Scriptures. You know all of that. But don't you see that the Scriptures point to me? So when we read the Word of God, the Word of God is so good to us because it points us back to Him. It points us to Jesus. It points us to Him. You can get a degree in theology. You can get a doctorate in it still not know who Jesus is. It's possible. And the, the point of the Bible is to point us to Him. To not even replace Him. This is the, this is the footnote. The Bible is important, don't get me wrong. But you don't have a relationship with the Bible. It, it's, it's a relationship with God. The Bible helps you in that relationship with God. To have a relationship with the Bible, to put your Bible before God, is what we call bibliolatry. That's where an, an idolatrous relationship with the Bible. So is the Bible important? Yes. But why is the Bible important? It points me to Him. It shows me about Him. It reveals Him to me. It makes Him real to me. So when we open that thing, Jesus, what do you say? What I personally do is I kind of put myself in there. I stand back several thousand years from when it was written and I understand, look, this was written in a different context, a different time, different genre, different people. I get it. But what would it have been like if I could put myself in there? I kind of get a little bit animated in my head. It's like a circus in there sometimes. And I say, Jesus, what would have this been like? What would you have said? I wonder. And I start asking questions of the text. And I say, God, why? I don't know the answer to that. A lot of the times I don't have the answers. And that's okay. 
you keep getting questions. You'll keep getting them until one day you're in eternity with him. So what's this all about then? We're going to have a time just to wait on God. This really is a great encouragement to return to the Scriptures. But it's a call to rebuild and to recalibrate. To, Lord, is is there something I can, where can I shift? Where can I move? Where can I reprioritize? And better hear your voice. If you want to know what his voice sounds like, Look at what he wrote. Because the author speaks through his penmanship. The Word of God for me provides a great framework to bring me into check. When you hear a crazy voice, hang on, does that line up with what I I understand God may be like according to the Word? And if he says something that's outside of that structure, well, think again. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.